Hello, everyone, and welcome back to more content from this Domestic Supply Chain Summit. I'm Anthony Smith, Chief Economist here at FreightWaves, and I'm joined by Matt Globe of Union Pacific, and I am absolutely excited for this conversation. Matt oversees General Director of Planning and Product Development, Premium Marketing over at Union Pacific. And Matt, thanks so much for joining us today. That's my pleasure, Anthony. Thank you. So Matt, just jumping into it, of course, there's just been so many things that have happened throughout 2023 without even getting into, you know, what's happened throughout the last few years throughout COVID. We've heard of the different shifts and changes throughout the pandemic, how it's morphed our industry. And I'm excited just to jump into um, this conversation with you just to kind of talk about the evolution of rail or the rail segment that you've seen maybe over the last year or so in 2023. Yeah, great question. I, when I think about rail evolution, think about how far it goes back, right? It literally back to the 1500s. Uh, but today, and like you said, just within the last year, I think today is very much about supply chain efficiency. It's about sustainability. And all of those things wrap up into how we're investing in our networks, uh, capital investments to expand and grow with the economy. So that, that was a big one that you just hit on there. A buzzword I hear, of course, it's going to be sustainability. And can you dive into that one a little bit more? Because we even had a net zero carbon summit not too long ago. And this was one where I learned a lot about the sustainability efforts. Can you talk to what some of that looks like on your side? When we think about um, sustainability, you have to really go back to Union Pacific's vision, which is building America. And when we think about building America, that's um, connecting our nation's businesses to our communities. It's connecting um, our, our communities to the world. And with that, we do that by way of providing a safe, a reliable uh, supply chain that, that really supports um, sustainable economic growth uh, throughout our nation. Our strategy at Union Pacific is, is building a sustainable future 2030. And with that, our focus is on reducing our GHG emissions by as much as 26%. And as we focus on that, it really is around five different pillars. And those pillars include building a responsible foundation, uh, investing in our workforce, uh, driving sustainable solutions, uh, championing uh, environmental stewardship, and strengthening our communities. And each of those have multiple aspects uh, underneath them. Uh, just as an example, building responsible foundations starts with safety. It is really about reinforcing our safety culture. When you think about other things like strengthening our communities, strengthening uh, and investing in our workforce, we talk about um, increasing women in our workforce, uh, minority representation in our workforce. Um, and then when you think about championing environmental stewardship and driving sustainable solutions, you also look at how we're focused on trying to work with our customers uh, and rewarding our customers, if you will, awarding them uh, with their sustainability strategies as they do business with us, but also investing in different things like uh, battery uh, locomotives, um, biofuels, uh, things of that nature that will help, again, continue to reduce our net uh, emissions. And, and by the way, Union Pacific's goal is zero net emissions um, by uh, CO2 emissions by uh, 2050. So that's a huge goal. And it sounds like you guys are on track to achieve that with these benchmarks that you have set for yourselves. And I think that's really one of the big things that I look at when, you know, there is a company with an initiative and all right, we're going to get to this point by this date. But then a lot of times there's no 
plans or steps to get to that. So it's encouraging to hear that you're putting all the right things in place um, to be able to reach that goal there. We're looking at things at Union Pacific and really the the overall supply chain and really, I guess, not the overall, but mostly kind of focusing on that real intermodal side. We're going to be some things that you're kind of focusing on when you're looking at the domestic versus maybe the international intermodal space. So that's a great question, Anthony. When when we think about domestic and international, they kind of go hand in hand, right? And and so when we look at, um, for example, our international, um, a lot of that traffic is coming in through the Southern California ports, and uh, and of course throughout the United States, those two ports are really the lion's share of where the business is coming in as a standalone uh, operation in San Pedro. With that said, what we're trying to do is work with our partners on the uh, trucking side, as well as um, throughout the community and including with the state of California to try to improve the flow of those operations uh, and to take trucks, frankly, off the road. Uh, when we think about intermodal, you know, you think about international and you think about domestic intermodal. Um, but what we don't think about, but is integral to that um, is, is trucking. Trucking is, is very much a part of intermodal and it's at the front end and it's at the back end. So collaborating with our wholesale customers who are also motor carriers uh, and intermodal marketing companies to help those initiatives and push those initiatives forward um, is really important to us. And one of the things that we just announced here last week is our Phoenix intermodal terminal. So in 2024, we'll be introducing our brand new Phoenix intermodal terminal. And it's really out of a collaboration with a motor carrier who's been trucking from the San Pedro ports into uh, the Phoenix market, which is one of the fastest growing markets in the United States. With that said, um, they're doing it because there are certain regulations that are coming about that affect them. And it's all a collaborative effort that will do good in our sustainability initiatives uh, downstream. So we're very excited about that. That's just one example. And that's really an international based one. So Matt, okay, so when we're looking at this, one of the things that I hear from time to time is that there's just this ongoing competition with rail and then over the road. But it sounds like, you know, what you're saying is that there is maybe some competition there, but really there are some initiatives that will benefit motor carriers overall. Yeah, I, I agree, Anthony. I think, you know, we talk a lot in terms of taking trucks off the road as a railroad. Uh, but again, at the same time, it, it's necessary to reinforce that we're really partners in this supply chain initiative. Uh, Intermodal doesn't exist without motor carriers. And um, and you see more motor carriers um, sort of diversifying their their services to the to the BCOs, the beneficial cargo owners, uh, because of the fact that the BCOs definitely have sustainability initiatives as well. And railroading practically forever has been uh, very sustainable and has been an environmentally friendly um, operation. When you think about the amount of emissions that we put out today, it's a fraction of anything else that's out there. A good example I ran across um, is when you think about running, if you were running a trucking company between Chicago and Houston, let's say you ran 200 trucks in an annual period, you would produce about 320 metric tons of CO2 uh, in, that, in that operation. If you transferred that to rail, you'd produce about 120 um, metric tons. So, you know, it's, it's significantly less and we represent just a minority percent. So I think there's opportunity in there for motor carriers and for railroads to work collaboratively together on sustainability initiatives and drive 
further growth and partnership. Um, we're very excited about the opportunities that, that are out there today because we, as a nation, anyway, um, move most of our freight by truck. And, um, and so rail has an immense opportunity to play a bigger role uh, in that environment. Yeah, I think it, you definitely hit the nail on the head because when I, one of the things that I've kind of seen is different trends throughout the supply chain. I think about in 2019, one of the big trends that I've seen, of course, with freight waves being big on transparency was transparency in the supply chain or the freight space overall. Then we kind of start to see a more evolution of different kind of initiatives. And I think partnerships have really been something that has really emerged in a, a big way and really been a big talking point initiative for various people throughout the supply chain, especially throughout this freight recession that we've been seeing, it really kind of hones in on, okay, how do we get through this and how do we come out on the other side, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, better for it. Um, when I'm looking at the overall space, one of the areas that has been a mainstay from those earlier days and maybe 2018, 2019 to now is freight tech and really technology and innovation overall. Can you talk to some of your thoughts or what you see in forms of tech or innovation within the space and what you've seen throughout 2023 and what you're hopeful for in 24? Yeah, when you when you look at Union Pacific specifically, you know, we're you, you don't you don't think naturally as a railroad that we're high tech. But it, you would be so shocked at how high tech we really are and we continue to evolve and grow. Um, we've got applications on our iPhones and those applications like UPGO go out to our motor carrier friends that are drained uh, onto our intermodal terminals and drain off from our intermodal terminals. And we do that to help uh, create efficiency in that whole supply chain again. So those apps include things like creating missions, making reservations, we, so we know when they're coming to the gate. We also added onto that with some precision gate technology as well, what we call PGT, which is an in-house development which really allows truckers to pull up and from a camera, they recognize the unit number and within 30 seconds, they can pull through into the facility. And so it really speeds up the whole process uh, and the supply chain as a whole. Uh, in addition to that, we're, we're, we've got uh, investment in uh, wide, span, wide span gantry cranes at our Global 4 facility in Chicago and Joliet, Illinois. And with that said, those cranes are gonna help us through technology again and through an appointment system, be able to cherry pick boxes out of stacks if those stacks are created like they were created during the supply chain crunch uh, during the pandemic. And that will again allow everybody to understand um, how, how they can be a part of the efficiency process, how they can participate uh, using these technology tools and, uh, and help us all work together. Really, when you think about intermodal, it, it um, one of the great um, um, intermodal minds uh, that I've uh, always uh, looked up to, uh, Theodore Prince, he always talks about this whole idea of intermodal by definition being a team sport. And it really is a team sport. The whole supply chain is a team sport. And, um, and I think it's important that we recognize it as such and use technology to our best advantage. Um, and then outside of intermodal too, you go to the carload side of our operations and, uh, and the classification side, we've got new technology as well and Zebra um, devices that are like cell phones, basically, that allow uh, train, engine, and yardmen to use um, their tools right there in front of them to know what their, their work orders are, to uh, file reports, to do whatever they need to do right on the spot. Um, and it, it creates, again, more efficiency in the entire process. So we're very excited about that. 
and looking forward, I think that we'll continue to advance technology. I think we all know where things are, are going um, from a broader perspective. Um, and um, in the world um, before us is, is completely undefined at the moment. So we're very excited about the future and uh, we hope to be a leader on the technology side. And Matt, really, when we're looking at that tech side and what you guys are doing with all that, it kind of leads back into that sustainability aspect. And it really kind of makes sense on how all this works together. That tech, that inefficient, that efficiency, I should say, really kind of leads into reaching those goals that you mentioned a little bit earlier. We're looking at what's going on at UP. Can you tell us about what's next, what's in the works, some products that may be in development, what people can be expecting moving forward? Well, I mentioned Phoenix here um, just a minute ago, but I also should mention Port Houston and our association with with that operation. Also on the international side, uh, we just rolled out uh, more lanes that we've opened up from Port Houston, which is an on-dock service as well. So basically, we're taking out um, that short dray, about a 30-mile one-way dray from the docks to our Houston ramp. And so when you take that out, you ease congestion in that big city metroplex of Houston um, and you run it all by rail. And now we're running into nine different locations throughout the United States. So we're really excited to be working very collaboratively with uh, Port Houston on that endeavor as well. And, um, and I should mention also on the domestic front, we've got, we introduced in mid uh, 2021, our inland uh, empire intermodal terminal which we also call um, Lance Fritz Intermodal Terminal now, our former CEO. And with respect to that intermodal operation, that again is pushing the rail operation very close to where all of the warehouse and DC activity is in Southern California. And so as a result of that, we're able to take advantage and have transload from international into domestic boxes at a closer proximity to inland, uh, to the Inland Empire region. And, uh, and then run those out to all of our, our major locations, particularly Chicago at this point. Um, and then we've also introduced uh, Twin Cities. Believe it or not, we never had um, an intermodal ramp in the Twin Cities. And so much like Phoenix, we didn't have an intermodal ramp. We, we didn't have one in the Twin Cities. So we're trying to think out, outside the box at different, in different ways in order to um, kind of extend our reach uh, across our, our, our intermodal network. Um, and by that, again, it goes back to collaborating, uh, not only trying to take trucks off the long haul road, but also collaborating with our motor carriers to try to uh, create better efficiency. And all of those things, back to your point, goes back to um, sustainability and efficiencies um, that we look for, not only as transportation carriers and providers, but as a nation. Definitely sounds like to stay competitive and continue to grow and move forward, you're guys are just attacking from all fronts and really making sure that you have that sustainability initiative in place strongly and firmly with a set plan. You guys are building out infrastructure as needed and where it's needed to make it more impactful and as efficient as possible. And then we're also seeing that collaboration and all of those things that come with it throughout it to make this all make sense for everyone involved. So it's exciting stuff happening over there. And it definitely sounds like Things are looking up over at Union Pacific. Sorry, I had to do the UP pun here before we let off. And Matt, I have to thank you so much for your time today. <laughs> no, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it very much, Anthony. And thank you all so much for tuning in. Stay tuned because there's more content coming up.